I mean, look, even Nicholas just said like a hundred times, Tiger's the best that I've ever seen. Would you all just leave me alone? <laughs> Stop trying to Let me up. suffer. Like, I just want to be miserable. Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We got a fun week planned for you this week. We'll talk about the Scottish Open from last week, which saw Rory McIlroy get his first win in over six months. We got the Open coming up this week, the last major of the year, my favorite tournament of the year at Royal Liverpool or Hoylake. Should be a great Open filled with all the things we love about the Open, the wind, the firm greens, and some big scores. And then to round out the episode, we had our first BPO scramble this past weekend up at Links of Gettysburg. We had two groups out there. We'll tell you who the groups were, who won, and more stories from the day. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod. We got new content coming out every day, as well as really great stuff on threads. Hope you enjoy the episode. Right, this past weekend we had the Scottish Open, which we know, right, gets us in the mood for the Open Championship, the Link style courses, the Renaissance Club. It, it showed out. It had a great showing. Uh, scores were good. However, they had to move up, I believe, Saturday and Sunday's tee times because winds were supposed to get so outrageous that the course was pretty much going to be unplayable. Saw a lot of Twitter traffic, people complaining about, like, trying to cater to a highball hitter like Rory to win this thing. And... <laughs> I'm not trying to fall into this trap because that's certainly not what happened. The course we saw uh, when when Rory and Tom Kim and Tommy Fleetwood got to the 18th hole, Tom Kim's ball, he had addressed it, he pulled back, and the ball rolled like two balls toward the cup, and they needed to replace it. So if they would have started later, it would have been like that in the entire round for everybody. It would have been brutal. But the storyline of the day, well, Rory, but the biggest storyline was Robert McIntyre, or Bobby Mack, informally known as. He's probably the best Scottish player currently on tour He's on his way to becoming one of the best Scottish golfers of all time. This is his national open. We know he's been on the map for a while. Hasn't had the best success. I mean, he plays a lot of DP World Tour. But kid goes out, fires a 63 or 65 on Sunday in pretty blustery conditions. Birdie's 18 with a three-wood in his, in his hand with her second shot. Has the clubhouse lead. Looks like he's going to win this thing. Rory is one shot back with two to play. And 17 and 18, I think, are playing two of the four hardest holes on the course. Rory hits it to like 10 feet on 17, drains the putt, decent drive on 18, but he still has 210 yards into a 440-yard hole. So Rory bangs driver, only hits a 240. That tells you how strong the winds were. Sticks his two iron to like 8 or 10 feet, and then hits a putt that I don't think he was very happy with, and maybe the wind was playing a little something into it, but it goes in. So it was like almost a little anticlimactic. Really great win for Rory, but my God, like... I'm the biggest Rory fan that I know, and I think I would have really liked to have seen Bobby Mack win that thing for his country, for the pride. I mean, he was making putts down the stretch, like double fist pumping. It was amazing. Did you watch the coverage? Because it wasn't on, but did you watch any of the highlights? I was asleep. That's fair. Entire. I, I was still in recovery clip, mode. I saw a clip with them without a hat on, and I just thought that was a weird thing. Bobby? It, yeah. yeah. And it's it was like, windy. I, I, the hat I, just kept blowing That's away. actually a great idea. I didn't think about that, but is it true? I thought I saw something 
with Rory coming up to him afterwards and saying, sorry. Yeah. Like, is yeah. that real? Yeah. I don't, I don't like that. I don't yeah, like that. I, a little bit of sportsmanship. I, I don't think it was is that, meant- Is that what you want to hear if you're McIntyre? That you want your competitor yeah. to come up and say sorry? It's like, I'd be like, shut up, Rory. Well, I think Rory understands. I looked at their um, data golf said, hey, so, someone said, hey, data golf, can you crunch the numbers on the probability of Rory birdieing 17 and 18 in that win? And they said, uh, yeah, we did. It's about 4%. So I think that Rory even kind of understands that his finish was a little bit lucky, and he understands like the magnitude it would have been for Bobby Mack to win that thing. Yeah, but still coming up and saying sorry, it's just that I agree it does kind of seem a little shitty. If he had done that in a locker room or something like that, like outside of the media, I think it's a little better, maybe a little more jesty kind of thing. The way he did it, it was a little odd. I think you guys are overplaying this a little bit. I mean, Rory's a dick. Just knowing, let's like knowing how Rory kind of acts around these guys who are like also on the DP World Tour that he could potentially be Ryder Cup captains with. He probably just went up. It'd be like tie me beating you by one stroke, and I go up and say sorry, bud. I'd sock you in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's a well, fair. It's a fair reaction. That's I mean, a little different. It's a fair reaction I mean, to say that it's a bit of a dick move, but I think that the cameras are kind of just always following well, you them. You could tell, by the way, that they like embraced after that, that it was like not, it wasn't like some random guy came up to him and was like, hey man, sorry I had to kick your ass on that last right. one. Sure. It, it's, it, Give me like a, hey, that was a great run. That was a lot of, that was fun to compete with you. Yeah. You know, hell of a round, man. Like something like that it feels a lot better than sorry yeah, I was. Just always out to get Rory. One way or another. I think it's fair. I think it's fair. I mean, it's probably like, I, I think it comes from a genuine place for Rory, but you're right. It's probably not the thing you should have said. I think said. it's just bad word choice. Yeah, and I'm not so sure he was intending for that to be like on camera. It's like, they're just great pals, right? I mean, they, you know, play golf together, DP World Tour, Ryder Cup. Like, they know each other well. It's just, I agree with you, though. It so, probably comes off So, this McIntyre kid, right, is only like 26? Yeah, yeah. So, he's got, what I see, I think it was like a T4 in a second place in his last two tournaments. It's like, I think he's... Obviously, doing pretty well. He's a great win player. He too. mostly stays on the deep road, so we don't see him much on the U.S. state side, right? He's pretty yeah. much a staple. He doesn't have a, a PGA Tour card. Yeah. He's a DP World Tour staple too. He's very he's committed to the DP World Tour. When Liv came out, Rob McIntyre said, "Like, there's only so much money a guy needs to be happy." So I don't plan on going to live. Like, I'm going to stick to my roots, and the DP World Tour is what gave me the chance to play. I'm going to stay here. So respectable guy, and his trajectory is good right now. Like, he's figuring out his game. He's a wonderful win player, and he's got a lot of tools. Like what? I don't know much about him. Like, what? What is his play style? Like, is he long off the tee, or like you said, a win player? So he just knows how to keep the ball low and how to navigate the course. Like, what, what's kind of his his thing? He's a great iron player, good wedge player. He doesn't hit the ball that far off the tee. He can play it. He can play lots of shot shapes. He played really well a couple of weeks ago. Um, they had a two man playoff somewhere, Belgium, Denmark. Denmark, yeah. And and, and Bobby Macquist, I think he came in solo third there. He's just a real consistent golfer. He's kind of like. Maybe if he picks up 20 yards off the tee sometime here in the next... I would say he's, like, in the greatest shape. He's just kind of like an average average body-type golfer. If he picks up 20 yards, I think he becomes an elite golfer. But other than that, our leaderboard was pretty good. So we had Rory. We had Robert McIntyre. We had Scotty Scheffler. Like, what do you know? Another wow. third place. Like, just kind of out of nowhere, like usual. Didn't putt that great. When I think that when Scotty's putting gets on, it's going to be it's gonna be Tiger-esque. I mean, he's, he's putting so atrociously right now. And, I mean, he's got, like... Was this probably his 15th top eight finish this year? I mean, I think that player of the year is starting to really come into jeopardy. Rom, Rom has four wins with a major, but Scotty's got two wins and he's got probably 15, 16 top eights. 15 top tens. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. 
So we also had Ben on. That's an interesting story. I mean, Sean Foley, protege, right? Um, really starting to play some good golf. I don't know if you guys remember, but I think he won the Corn Ferry Tour like four or five years ago and then just kind of has had a sluggish start. I remember his name from like four or five years ago because you were always seeing him near the top of the leaderboard. Like, this is the next guy that's going to start winning some events. Right. It, it seems like, like you said, he's kind of went away for a while, but now he's popping up. I keep seeing him, seems like top 10 or at least there for a while. Little Denny McCarthy-esque, right? Just takes these guys a few, two few years to get their feet underneath of them, but they got plenty of game. Uh, a little blast from the past, David Lingmurth. It's good to see him playing good. I remember David Lingmurth, funny story. We're, we went to TPC Avenel for the Wells Fargo, was it? It wasn't the it Wells was Fargo. Before it was before. I, I think it was the Wells on an off year because they weren't playing at... Oh, uh, it was when they... It was when... Um, they weren't playing down in Charlotte because they had the president or a PGA, the PGA yeah. that year. And Lingmurth is like close to the lead. We see him on the putting green after the third round. He's like practicing a bunch of putting. And I was like, hey, hey David, how'd the round go? He goes, uh, not that great. And I go... Putting, he goes, yep. <laughs> Just such a great story. He qualified for the Open, too, with that finish nice. uh, this weekend. So that was a big, big placement for him. Uh, then we had JT Poston, the postman. He's a fun one to watch. He's a great putter man, great short game. Uh, Nikolai Hoygaard, read another DP World Tour guy. Great finish for him. Is that brother to Rasmus? Yes. yes it is. And the better of the brothers right now, for, per se. But Rasmus was the better of them. Nikolai's had better finishes, I believe, the past 12, 12 24 months. Uh, then we had Tom Kim and Tommy Fleetwood and Tyrrell Hatton. Like, that's a good T7 there to round out the top 10. Uh, Tom Kim and Tommy Fleetwood both double that 18th hole playing with Rory, who ended up birdieing it. Like, those guys easily could have had top fives there, with in, you know, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, this is always an interesting tournament for me to watch. Like, the guys that finish top 10, it's great. It's like a nice, like, confidence booster for them going into the Open. But then I feel like there's also the guys that, you know, miss the cut, and there's plenty of you know, notable names that... You know, maybe had poor finishes in round three and four or didn't make the cut. But I feel like most of them are out there just to try to, like, get a little bit accustomed to competitive links golf. Like, from the names that on, you know, stateside we're going to recognize more versus, you know, a Robert McIntyre who's out there playing in his country open. You know, it's for him, arguably speaking, it's like winning a U.S. Open. Oh, big obviously, time. Obviously not a major, but, you know, from the personal pride standpoint. So it's a very weird tournament for me to like judge like when like looking yeah. at everything and take this too much away on like how these guys performed i think looking back on this week it makes me feel like i want to double down on like the history of golf and how important like nation opens are the scottish open is like certainly it's not maybe the biggest tournament we know about but it's an it's a it's a national open and it precedes the open this is a great resume builder for Rory, right? He's got like an Australian Open, he's got a U.S. Open, he's got a Scottish Open, an Irish Open. Like he got all the open. European Opens with this one, right? Yeah. So it's like you know, I think as golf progresses here in the next year or two, and we don't know what happens with Live and the other championships, maybe that that come about of it. I think looking back on these tournaments, I hope we retain these big national tournaments. We don't lose sight of a Scottish Open. I feel like it'd almost be cool. Like obviously, there's the four majors. But uh, there's part of me I was wondering, like, would it be cool to see them move the Open Championship back to where its original location was you know, a little bit earlier in the season and then make some of these other big co-sanctioned, like, ones they're trying to make bigger, make them almost like, whether it's a player's or an actual fifth or sixth major kind of situation and yeah. kind of build those up, especially in Scotland where it's the history of golf where it's a little bit bigger. I'd be kind of interested if, you know, with all the changes, if they're going to look into something like that. Yeah, I agree. All right, I think that does it for our Scottish Open recap. Let's jump into this week, guys. Final major of the year. We got a lot of stories to prove. A lot of guys that with another major this year or their first major of the year, like we got some 
serious. We got Ryder Cup hopefuls. We got people, Rory trying to get his first major in eight years. We got Scotty kind of trying to get, not having played a great year in his major championships. Rom looking for his second one. Brooks looking for his second one. We're at Royal Liverpool, which has a pretty deep history in the Open Championship. One of the original courses uh, had a hiatus from like 1967 to 2006. I was trying to figure out why that happened. And I guess I'm just looking for like a little piece of drama as to like maybe why they were not sanctioned as an open venue, but I couldn't find it. So just like a 50 year gap in there, but um, uh, it's a big host for amateur championships. And then we know it hosted the 06 open where Tiger won. And then the 14 open where Rory won. So this place has uh, Bobby Jones won here. There's, there's a lot of really great champions. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the course. And then I want to hear you guys picks for this week. The course I think is, is an interesting story. You mentioned that there was about a 40 year gap between when the opens were, and I think that was just a matter of, it just didn't prove to be like an exciting layout. I mean, the way that the members play this course is completely different from the way it's going to be played this weekend. They swap like six different holes. I think the 17 that is going to be playing this week is a completely brand new hole that has been, it used to be 15. They swapped, they flipped it. So now you're heading back out towards the estuary. Uh, So it's just like a completely new golf course and where it played back in history. Yeah. I think for the members, 17 and 18 are playing as one and two for the guest tournament. And so it's all, it is a very unique routing. Like you could act, you can't go out and recreate it yourself, which is a very, like, I think anyone that's played it, I was listening to a couple other podcasts and they were like, it's going to be so confusing. Like, cause you're going to, like we talk about when we were at the president's cup and then watching the Wells Fargo, like, Oh, you know, we recognize these holes, things like that. You can't do that with this, which just makes it a little bit interesting to watch for if you have been there. Yeah, I think you had all these great Scottish courses that kind of started in the late 1800s when the Open started, and this was kind of like the first, well, it's it wasn't necessarily the first, but it's lasted the task of time. It's probably now being considered the first English course to be in the rotation for the Open Championship. And yeah, I think I was watching a video where only one of the greens is original to the course. So they've made it, they've changed it up a lot. They changed the, the number of holes they play, like right 17, 18, or one and two. Number three is... I guess the the original number one for the course, and that's the hole, that's the hole that has that internal out of bounds. Like I think we're gonna have internal out of bounds, which is like if anyone's ever played like clustered spires, like hole number ten, the OB left there is internal out of bounds, so it's not exterior to the course. We have internal out of bounds there, and on eighteen as well, pretty much maybe five yards off the fairway, all the way up the right side, we have internal out of bounds. Yeah, that is yeah, a I saw that. How, nightmare. How is that a thing? Like that looks impossible. Yeah. It's like obviously it's controversial. Yeah, what do you, what do you guys thought? Golfers are going to spray it over there all the time. These guys obviously are much better than us and can kind of accommodate that with their with their misses. But I mean that that just seems crazy. Well, I think that I think that out of bounds comes into play mainly on the second shot. Like if you're going to go for it, you basically have to take your ball over top of that out of bounds to get to the green. But if you're going to lay up, then you have to worry about that out of bounds on the right. So it's not just like an easy three shot hole. And if you're going to go for it in two, you better well get it, get there, which is going to make for a really exciting finish i think yeah it's like it's really interesting especially now where we've transitioned to everyone's playing a fade now more than the draw so like they're just their ball is naturally going to be want to go that way and i mean i know the course right now it's looking more green they're i think they're supposed to get a little rain today stuff like that so maybe it won't be quite as firm and fast but it'll be very easy to picture a classic open situation where you're hitting a fade and it's just going to roll into yeah. that shit. like you get wind off the left there and you're playing a fade like I just think about Wyndham Clark. He played some interesting shots this week at the Scottish because he predominantly plays a fade. There were half a dozen holes where the wind was 20 miles an hour off the left. And I'm, I kid you not, his ball moved about 100 yards. He played his traditional 30, 40-yard cut with the extra wind. That's a dangerous hole to be doing that on. When are we going to start 
saying a 30, 40 yard cut is just a slice. <laughs> I think Wyndham Clark can't. We just does predominantly play a slice. It is crazy, though, that like the, the internal out of bounds, like you mentioned, number 10 at Clustered Bend, that is like a tree lined area still. There's like a little old barn in there, or, like ruins. But here at this course, like the out of bounds is just like on the other side of like a little wall or yeah. like a stake. So these guys could potentially like hit it out of bounds, have to take a penalty stroke, and it's like my ball is right there. I'm just going to reach over and pick it up. And I think that third hole, I, I thought it was going to play shorter, like a, a hole where guys could take driver and really take on the corner and play more aggressive. But I think it's playing in the upper 400s. So guys are just taking two iron off the tee and taking their 180 into the green right at the corner. So I don't think it comes into play much. But I think the out-of-bounds on 18 might be pretty interesting to watch. I would say, generally speaking, internal out-of-bounds is kind of like a bogus concept. But these are the best players in the world. So, it, you know, tricking the course up a little bit. Everyone knows it's there, like... I don't think anyone that hits it out of bounds is going to be like, this is such a stupid rule. Like, you just know you can't hit it there. And I think, I mean, I think it's great in the sense of it's that perfect way to combat a little bit of the whole distance thing. That's a great point. The, the Bryson, like, I'm just going to drive it as far as possible regardless, and I'll figure it out from there. Any of those approach. Even though this is probably one of the open road courses that actually plays pretty longer. I think it's yeah, at like 7,500 yeah. or something like that. But, like, it, it does show that there are other ways to combat that whole distance thing other than like rolling a ball back or something like that. Yeah. So I think I would honestly like to see it a little bit more. It's gotta be fairly easy to just put it that in place. You just, you know, grow up some grass yep. somewhere and there's your out of bounds. So I, I love it from the perspective, hate it from if I was actually playing there, <laughs> I'd be true. like, this is, I'm just, I'm going to lose a ball quote unquote here. Another change I want to talk on is the bunkers and actually the way that they've kind of cut into some of these dunes. I think the middle of the course you're, you're going to see if you're watching it kind of goes out. The first couple holes are flat, and then it goes out into, like, the dunes along this estuary, along this big river. And these big sand dunes, what they've done since Rory won, actually, it's a, it's a change. They've cut into these sand dunes and, like, exposed more of the, like, waste, almost like a waste bunker. And it's not, it's not like sand that's going to come into play, but as far as what you're looking at off the tee and just, like, the features of the course, I think it's going to make a huge difference and really make it look cool. And I read that actually the, the architects who did that actually worked with an ecologist when they were doing that because it's part of like a natural restoration project. Yeah, and like less resources because when you make the hills and dunes more natural, you don't have to water them. They just grow how they're supposed yeah. to grow. So it's kind of like a co-benefit thing. That's cool. You don't really hear much, especially environmental-wise, on a golf course. And Telly, you mentioned uh, the green. So this, this course is infamously known for when Tiger won here in 06, it was completely brown. Like, even the greens were 75% brown. So this is going to be an interesting look at the course. It's extremely green right now. And, yeah, they had weather today. They had weather yesterday. Probably throughout the week, unless it really starts to get windy and it doesn't rain, this course is going to be – it's going to play a lot different. I wouldn't say it plays soft, but it'll play – if the wind's not too crazy, it'll play pretty easy. And I think the two winning scores here, when Tiger won here, it was like 16 under, and, and when Rory won, it was like 17 under. So it, it should it should boast some pretty good scores. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of the holes that are those longer holes, you know, par five, maybe a long par four, or whatever. A lot of them are with the wind at your back coming off of that water. So it's even though it does play longer, like you do get that little bit of a wind benefit, and then you add in your links golf sort of situation where the ball is going to just roll and who knows where the hell it's going to end mm. up sort of situation. You know, they can get plenty of distance still and like. Even though it's 7,500 yards, it maybe probably plays closer to 7,000 on some of those longer holes. So I think the the Open Championship is a really good time to have the conversation about, like, if par is even relevant. Because especially the, these courses, it just depends on the wind. Like, Tiger and Rory shoot 16, 17 under here because the wind wasn't up like crazy. But if the wind gets up here, you could easily see it finish at 2, 3 over par. 
1947, uh, they played here. And this is, this is interesting. The RNA kind of comes out to the course on like Wednesday afternoon and says, okay, let's, uh, let's shorten up a couple of these par fives, maybe make them, make them par fours, whatever. They put par at 68 because they were just trying to protect par and make it play a little tougher. Well, the wind got up like crazy that week, and the cut after two rounds was plus 20. And then the guy that ended up winning two more rounds, he, he finishes at 21, 21 over par and wins the championship. It's just kind of like, I think it's an argument as to like, par is kind of irrelevant. Like you don't want to see in the U.S. these guys that go out and they clobber these courses and shoot, 30, and shoot 30 under, right? It makes you lose a little interest. But the concept of what par is in Lynx golf, it's just you trying to beat your competitor. It's not really a score. It's just trying to be less strokes than the guys you're playing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you wanted to make, when it comes to Lynx golf, the Open, Scottish Open, whatever, if you want to actually make par relative, they would have to rip up so much of the course to put in those like sub air systems that you see at Augusta to like yeah. be able to manipulate things more, which would almost feel like you know you're risking so much in, when you do that. So you have to just kind of ha- leave that flexibility or that openness of just like let's just see what the hell happens right. here. Like there's no way to like guarantee anything unless you actually somewhat destroyed these courses. But it should be a fun week. Like we said, it plays extremely long. I think this back nine is the longest nine in open rota. So it plays extremely long. I think, yeah, it caters to the big hitter. But if you're not hitting fairways, so when Tiger won here in 06, he hit one driver all week. And then what he did so successfully was he didn't hit it in one fairway bunker because they're pretty much, they're pot bunkers. You got to pitch out sideways. So driving accuracy is going to be important this week. But I think the distance will have... It'll, ha- it'll have its voice here. It's just if you can avoid the pot bunkers. Well, you mentioned it, Ben. I think on number 10, they've moved the tee back from where it normally is. And that usually it plays a as four. a par 5, and it's now a 500-plus yard par 4. And they set up another tee on 18 that is it stretches it out to 600-plus yards. So wow. They've kind of used – it's something you don't really see in Lynx Golf because normally they don't really have that kind of space. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of a, a new case where they are actually able to stretch it out a little more. And even as long as 10 plays, it kind of has like a sandy dune that cuts through it like 350. So these guys that are, that are hitting driver and they're getting big bounces, they're going to have to be careful about that because they're going to want – you'd much rather be 220 yards in the fairway than 200 in some long rough. We're not doing our picks? Oh, wait, yes. Let's do picks first. Go for it. Who, who wants to go? I got it. So one that's kind of standing out to me that obviously this guy hasn't been playing very well all year, but just with the proven track record that he has and his ability to shape shots and get creative with it, um, I kind of like Justin Thomas. Mm. And the value there is unbelievable with, like I said, with his track record. He, he's sitting at plus 8,000. Wow. Like he is that's way down the list. Obviously, we like I said, we know he hasn't been playing that well, but like I said, the, his ability to just like go out there – I'm going to say it kind of like a Rory and just get creative and know how to hit these shots. I think he could kind of figure it out. That is great value. Cause 8,000. That's, that's stupid value. Cause you know, he has the ability mm-hmm. he can hit, you know, you can, we saw him at the players. I guess it was when cam won two years ago, like when it was your super windy rainy conditions and be able to hit all the shots, hit all the windows, hit every shot. Yeah. And obviously it's a different tournament. It's been a couple of years and we haven't really seen much at him, but you know, any of these guys can get hot at any time. So I actually, I like that pick a lot. Uh, I think JT and Jordan went and played some other pretty iconic course. That's not in the rotation, but it's a fun one. They all play when they're over there. And JT was like maybe 30, 40 yards away from the green had probably a four foot hill in front of him that went down another six feet below the green and then back up to the pin. And Jordan was trying to hit like some nippy wedges and JT was hitting like a little bump eight irons into it. So maybe JT's like, I think he's really engaged the mindset of Lynx golf. I think it's gonna be a fun week for him. 
But you're right, his past performances, so he comes in T65 at the PGA, misses the cut at the U.S. Open, plays okay at the Travelers, but then misses the cut at the Rocket Mortgage, and then T60 this past week, But which is, I guess, trending, so at least he made the cut at the that Scottish. Sounds like a lot of more time to practice on his game when he's not playing on the weekend. Right, but uh, a decent ra- a decent round four from him at the Scottish. He shot plus three when I think Rob McIntyre's minus six was like quite the outlier. Everyone else was around par, so I think he's playing fine. And maybe this link style is kind of what he needs right now. I mean, not going out there and worrying about his mechanics so much as, hey, I know I can play these shots. I've played them before. I have the creativity to be successful out here. I'm just going to rely on that. Relatively speaking, he's a pretty strong mental player. Like, when he gives up, he can kind of start heading in the wrong direction. But when he really stays in it and grinds, like, he's the guy that can turn triple bogeys into bogeys and really stay in contention. Yeah, I think if he has a good round one, like, he has to have that mental state when he goes in. If he plays like he has been with a round one, I could see him easily blowing up. But if he has that solid round one, I think he could go in a run. And he's got to be thinking he's got to put some good finishes in if he wants to compete for that Ryder Cup spot. Because right now he's point. not he's not have an automatic qualification. And he has not played his way into it for sure. Like other than having experience, I'd, I would not pick him for the Ryder Cup in, as things currently stand. A pretty good grouping for him. He's got Tony Finau and Victor Hovland. And Tony, so we know Vic, right, really great year last year at St. Andrews. I think like a, like a T3. And Tony actually... I was looking at stats. Tony actually, we, we know him for like the birdie fest, like he wins at birdie fests, but he actually plays extremely well in Lynx golf too, which is a little surprising because we know he plays a bit of a higher ball flight. I'll go with my pick. <laughs> I'm going out of left field here. I'm going to pick Rory McIlroy. Whoa. Oh my. I, I think it'll be interesting. Like I think the one thing I like about Rory that I wouldn't like about other guys that won at the Scottish is like, usually you don't win back to back weeks, but I think there's a little chip on Rory's shoulder. I think he might be the first guy to ever win the Scottish and the open back to back. He's hitting the ball. Great. That little two iron he put in his bag, which proved to be a, a vital club for him on 18 uh, down the stretch of the Scottish. I think it's going to be an important club this week. You're definitely not going to be able to beat this course up with driver, but when you have your chances, you got to hit it well because you're going to play. It's extremely long. So I think if Rory's putter is just like above average, like he's not losing strokes with the putting, I think that his, his game's in a great spot. And the one piece about Rory that we always complain about and has just proven to be such a liability is his wedge play. And I, I saw a press conference where he's just saying, like, pretty much the whole front nine is just, like, mid to long irons. So maybe that plays to Rory's advantage because he is hitting his irons pretty well. His wedges are just not that great. So I think that when when there's birdie opportunities on holes with wedges, like, you can't count on Rory, but all of a sudden you got 180, 190 yards in and Rory's just making birdie out of nowhere. I will say, like, it, it was great to see Rory win that last week going into this because – you know, he did what we haven't seen him do. We, we saw him actually kind of close out a tournament there, hit shots when he needed to hit shots. Right, catch Rob, right. Yeah, which was, you know, it was a little bit of a different thing than we have seen. Obviously, I think, you know, the Open, you know, is the tournament you think he should win in some capacity as a European golfer. So I, I don't hate that pick but at, by any means, he's, but it is, you know, obviously the Tropical he's the favorite. But you know, Yeah, the odds are not would, great. It would but. be so great, you know, for golf to see him win and be that guy especially, you know, given all the other drama, kind of what, what we wanted last year at the Open at the 150th, but, you know, just a year later. So, you know, I, I will not be upset in any way if we see Rory win. Yeah, I think we could look back on the past 12 months and Rory could have very easily won the Open at St. Andrews and he very easily could have won the U.S. Open at LACC. But in both times, Wyndham played pretty well there on Sunday and then Cam Smith last year at the old course probably played one of the best back nines in Open history. I think he shot six under on the back nine. So I think all the all the all the cards are kind of in Rory's favor. He just needs to kind of keep his head screwed on straight. Now I'm going to go, you know, kind of similar route here. Out of left field. Out of left field. I kind of teased it a little <laughs> bit uh, uh, last week, but I'm going to I'm going to go with Jordan. He's 
you know, also hasn't been playing great, similar to his buddy Justin Thomas. Um, and also, like, he's not nearly as odds-wise as, you know, great value as uh, JT is, but he's at, like, plus 3,000, plus 3,300, depending on where you look. And for Jordan in the major, just because he is one of those popular players, like, that's really good odds. Historically, at the Open, like, he's done very well. Since winning in 2017, he's had, I think it's like four top tens, and then his worst finish in that stretch was the tied for 20th. So, like, he's nine for nine making cuts. He's going to at least have a chance, theoretically speaking. And he's another one of those guys that has all that creativity, you know, to hit interesting shots, you know, get something special going on. So, you never know. Um, you know, obviously, he's my my favorite, so I'm, I'm sticking with Jordan. You know, I think that's an interesting pick, and I think it's a good one, um, especially if the wins pick up for Jordan just because his caddy won't be able to hear him bitching when it's a bad <laughs> shot. So maybe their relationship does a little bit better on the course and Jordan can just focus on being himself. I think it's a good pick. Greller, Greller <laughs> likes the abuse. Don't kink shame. God. I saw a video where Jordan was playing like a practice round with someone and was explaining to him how he has this stock shot with his two iron that quite literally zero percent of the negative five percent of the time goes left. So he always plays it, it no matter what it stays straight or goes right. I really like that for him, um, especially out here where you got out of bounds. You got to contend with off a lot of these tees. I think Jordan really trying to avoid that hard left miss, which I think gets him in a lot of trouble. I think if he commits to that this week, it should be a good week for him. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely with the out of bounds situation is certainly concerning because he can get a little wayward at times. But uh, like he also is the guy that gets wayward and then hits a ridiculous recovery shot. And you know, similar to some of the guys, and obviously one of the big names, he's gonna he has a group he's familiar with with Matt Fitzpatrick and Jason Day for the first two days. It's a great pairing. Um, so like you know, they're guys he's, he'll be comfortable with playing around. So, I mean, I just you know, I need to pick him at least for one major. It's it's major season. You got to pick your boys, Colin. Who you got? Well, speaking of picking your boys, I'm gonna go with <laughs> Double L, my namesake. I think people are really quiet aren't, on him. Aren't you older than him? Uh, I think we're about the same age. I'm going to He's say pretty successful. Yeah. <laughs> um, you did good, though. You did good for yourself. But I think people are, have just been down on him this year, and I understand that because I think people are just so used to seeing him winning tournaments over the past three years prior. But he has played some solid golf, especially in the majors. He had a good finish at the Masters. Um, he, I think he played okay at the PGA, but then uh, he, I think he had like a top 20 or top 10 at the U.S. <laughs> Open, snuck in there at the end, but... I think people are forgetting also that two weeks ago he could have easily won the Rocket Mortgage. I know Ricky won it, but he played like an unbelievable round in tough conditions, the rain on the final round. So he was he he didn't play last week, which maybe that's that's good, uh, good or bad. I don't know, but I think he's going to come in here fresh. And I think Link's golf is really demanding, especially if the wind picks up of hitting long irons and, and particularly, well, I guess all iron shots like into the green, making sure your approach is dialed in. And I still say that Colin is still one of the best in the game at that, especially the long irons. Yeah, and I mean, like the ability to ball strike and hit your irons well in links golf is truly, you know, what ends up mattering. I feel like more often than not, because like Ben said, you know, when Tiger won, he hit one driver. I think Rory's win at you know this course was similar where he didn't really use driver much. So being able to control those long irons is definitely going to be a value. What were his odds? Did you see one? He's at plus twenty eight hundred. Okay. So right in that right in that same category with Spieth. I'm surprised you didn't go with uh, the the Min Woo Lee here pick. Well, I did I did put a little parlay in <laughs> and, and Colin to finish both top twenty. So we'll see how that plays out. I feel like you know we saw him hit a you know two hundred and fifty yard pitching wedge last week kind of situation where you know wind be damned he's going to hit whatever club he needs pretty far. 
feel like he could be an interesting one this year. Yeah, he. I mean, Min Woo, he's proven to be successful in link style golf. I am just worried about some of these approach shots he's going to have to hit this week. That's not his strength. I'm just looking at that 17th hole that's just pinned up like crown, the green's oh, crown, yeah. and if you don't hit the green, you're in some sort of waste bunker with an impossible shot. And I just see that those kind of shots really – really getting him this week but that's the little short one right like yeah. it's only gonna play like 130 135 yards and we're gonna see like some sevens and eights there it's gonna be outrageous but see when you look at these odds right you got rory scotty and rom like always our top three but i would say all three of those guys are playing their irons extremely well this season and then the guys that kind of are trending right now the the next few in the odds are ricky fowler tommy fleetwood victor hovland cam smith brooks kepka all of those guys are great iron players so i think that iron playing is definitely being put uh to a premium this week but I think the, the interesting one here that just kind of screams value to me is John Rahm being almost twice as much value as Rory and Scotty. Right? He's not been playing the best golf, but his practice round videos look pretty good. We know he likes to play the ball on the ground. His his driver is low fade. I think that probably does pretty well for him this week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is wild to see John Rahm like, in that, like that big of a difference, like seeing him third on the odds is one thing, but seeing it, you know, it's Rory's at, or Scotty's at plus 650 now. And he's at twelve hundred. Yeah, like almost just, double. It, yeah, it's it's wild to kind of see that. You know, this he just won the Masters three four months ago. Yeah. whatever it is at this point. And like clearly he has the game. We saw him have the hottest stretch like ever. Or you know, second to maybe Tiger at the start of the season. So like you can't, you can never rule him out. And twelve hundred is great value for that guy. I would just fully assume that's who Deb would pick. He's a big Rom guy. If he's not picking Scott, he's picking Rom. Yeah, what's what's Vic's odds for Ken? Yeah, Vic plus fi- or twenty-five. Yeah, plus plus two thousand somewhere around there. Go ahead and make the post for Ken to pick Vic. I think so. And and Vic right coming off of a T three at St Andrews. When you talk about he's a so he's a pretty good iron player, but he's probably the top three ball striker in the world. Like I think Colin Morikawa's irons tend to be a little bit more precise, but nobody hits the ball like compresses it and hits it out of the middle of the club quite like Vic. Speaking of Dubs guys, who do we think is going to be the top live player this week? I know Cam Smith's the favorite. Bryson, I've heard, as a potential sleeper pick. Looks like we got Cam Smith, then Brooks, then DJ. I'd, I'd go with DJ just for all of his experience he has. He always seems to show up in these uh, major tournaments, so I, th- I would expect DJ to be up there. Yeah, I like DJ's wedge game for this, right? He's he's kind of got that kind of sweeping action with the wedges where he can play really nicely off tight lies. So I like DJ. When you hit it in the crap, you're going to have to punch out to like the 60, 80-yard wedge shots, and I kind of like DJ around there. I feel like you got to look at cam smith for that that spot too absolutely like cam too the you know the sandy course all that kind of stuff it's very australian very similar to you know what he grew up playing on all that kind of stuff obviously he won last year so he, he knows how to play links golf you know and that's you know, maybe a little chalk relatively speaking for it but i you know him and brooks got to be like the two top guys for that i think well it's surprising to see cam smith like seventh in the odds being the defending champion and i think his past six months internationally and on live have been extremely good. So I think he's coming in pretty hot. Uh, and we know how his putter gets, right? I think there's decent value with Brooks, especially since we're talking about this being a longer, a longer link style course. I mean, he, he's not afraid to pull the, the longer clubs, pull out the driver. So if he can, if he has that on this week, I think we can definitely see him at the top, especially with his major performance. You know, so, and it's a major, so we probably will have it on. And I think there's the way that Brooks kind of traps the ball and plays his his baby fade with his three iron. I think he's probably the best like driving iron player in the world, in my opinion. So if you're not pulling out driver a lot this week, I expect him to hit a lot of fairways with that three iron. Don't forget Taylor Gooch. He's like he's won the most at live. He's at plus eight thousand. He's got some value. That's another one. I mean, there, there's so many. I mean, right, majors are tough, but 
just running down this list, man, picking these guys. You got Fitzpatrick, Tom Kim, Justin Rose, Cam Young. Like, Cam Young, could he get back on the horse? Like, I don't know, man. He's, he had an okay showing at the the Rocket Mortgage, was it? Or one of the other tournaments? Maybe one the Trap? Yeah. yeah, so he's definitely coming into form. And you're right. We talked about all these guys, like, they need to get on this Ryder Cup team. And and some of them need to improve their spots in the in the FedEx Cup playoff, too. So lot, lots of big names here. All right, let's round out the episode. Let's talk about our big BPO scramble, the Mark Strine Memorial up at Links of Gettysburg. We got eight guys out there. We did two different foursomes. We did a little draft. We had we had Maimon, Tyler, our buddy Eric, and his buddy Curtis. And then our other foursome was me, Tully, Ken, and Brandon. I kind of going into this, man, I felt like these teams were pretty evenly matched, especially because Curtis is a pretty decent golfer, and he was kind of like our alt, the alternate fourth for that group. And he was on, you know, doing that hard 75, so he was sober the entire time. Oh, hard 75. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't calculate that into our uh, score <laughs> update. So that was... I think that helped you guys. <laughs> it didn't hurt. <laughs> it did not hurt. But uh, me, uh, me, Tully, Ken, and Brandon, we started off like a bullet. We were five under through five. We were playing really great, like getting up and down. Everyone was contributing. Tully hit. Tully like almost drove the seventeenth green or eighth green, seventeenth green. It was pretty easy chip, and I think Tully had a birdie natural in that, that hole. That was a tough stretch to start on too. That par five to start on just ate us alive. It's like you think scramble is like you got to score on a par right. five, and it's like we were lucky to get a par there. Oh, we had two sixty in. I mean, it was playing pretty long. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a marathon of a day though. Like if we're really going to talk about it. You got to start with the fact that you know we you know, every year we start at. The brewery, local brewery in Gettysburg called Four Score. That's that's true. I started at the McDonald's drive through <laughs> browns. Sorry, sorry. You didn't start with alcohol at the McDonald's drive. I don't think. Maybe. I'm not gonna put it past you. Uh but yeah, we started at you know, eleven AM we were there pretty much right when they opened kind of situation. So by the time you get to the, the door. No, no. We were like eight we minutes were a late. little bit late. God. A little late this year it was very upsetting. <laughs> They're like, where are they? <laughs> but it's one of the like by the time we get to the back nine at this, it, it's been seven hours straight of you know enjoying a great camaraderie light sipping we, a beer. Even, we even had some of our our ladies out there for four score part and they were nice enough to drive us uh to and from thank god which was very helpful but you, you gotta you gotta start you gotta paint that whole picture in my always here. golf responsibly <laughs> but you're right we so we had a really great start five under through five and then we started hitting some of the teeth of that golf course like the third hole that decently well, it's not super long. It played like 160 or 150, but the wind was up on that par three, and then the next par four is tough, and next par five, tee shot's kind of challenging, and the wheels kind of fell off for us there. Yeah, we had a stretch of, I think it, we went par, par, birdie, par, par. Yeah. We were just kind of like, ah, shit. We're, like, we missed, I don't think we eagled any of the par fives, and that was through like three of them, I think, at that point. It was just a little bit like, ah. Yeah, that's I, not I where you want to be. I don't even think our group even like sniffed an equal opportunity. Like it, it was tough out there. Yeah, I mean, I think the, what the winning score overall was what fourteen under. There was like a three way tie at fourteen or something like that. So I mean, generally for a scramble, I think that's pretty mild. Yeah, we, like two or three years ago, we shot eighteen under, and I mean the conditions were a little easier, but I don't think we won by like five. I think we won by just a couple. No, I think we won by like seven. Okay. Fair. We did have we did have a stud a stud team. So out what there. what made it tough was it the winds or did they have the Tea boxes pushed back. What the fireball it? shots. Oh, okay. It was a lot of drinking. I <laughs> non natural. <laughs> we were like fifteen yeah. holes in, and it was like, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> Car girl comes around. We're like fifteen holes in, and we're like, ah, sure, one more fireball. We did not need that extra fireball, but yet we did. Yeah, but it was. Uh, I mean, in the internal competition though, was good. That's I think you know, despite yeah, we none of us winning anything. 
which is a, a rarity. You know, Ben unfortunately missed the long drive. I do. I two do yards to, to the left. I guess you know, I do need to make fairway. it public that I probably would have outdrove Eric by like fifty yards on that hole. Well, I yeah. just happened to miss the fairway. Yeah. Well, I mean, Eric didn't wasn't on the the leaderboard there either. Eric so wasn't you, on the list, so you're good. Uh, but you know, it was just the, in the internal competition ended up being pretty close. I think we were what twelve under, and you guys finished we 10, were at 10, 10, yeah. 10 so. Which I was surprised it was that close, honestly, because we got off to a very slow start. I think you guys said you were five under through five, and I believe we were two under through five. Um, so I'm not sure where the change was in our scorecard where we got hot for a little bit. But I, I was very surprised that we were only two behind you guys. Well, I think what must have happened is when you jumped that group uh, that oh, was yeah. in between us. Uh, at the turn, I was trying we to figure coming, that out. Did we, we looked back at one point. You guys were like three and a half holes behind us. Yeah, so like it was whatever group was in front of you at one point that was slowing everybody up. That where we were able to like go hang out every hole at, at some point. Uh, I think they went to the uh, turn kind of that thing, and, and then you guys just went right turn. through it. Yeah, and at that point, you just got a little distance. You didn't have us breathing down your necks. You got a little heat. We got frustrated because we were waiting forever, and you know, wheels fell off a little bit. Yeah, so. you guys definitely got hot because we weren't chirping you. That's exactly what happened. You know, well, it sounds like the Ben Tully, Ken Brandon group was ripping fireball shots, and these guys were playing it sober <laughs> on a diet back there. Well, Still beat them. No, I, I wouldn't say these guys. I would say one-fourth of these guys. Um, but n- no more comments. No more comments? Nothing else interesting happened? No, no, no I don't think so. No scrapes, bumps, bruises? No, I, uh, there's some oh, careful on the rocks by... Uh, any um, flowing bodies of water is that is that considered a body of water? I, I guess. Yes. Careful for streams. Yeah, well, I think there were some unconfirmed rumblings of like a, a a minor accident, but I'm not really sure where or how that happened. Yeah, I, I heard something similar, but I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, we'll have to look into that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll check with the course. Rumor yeah. rumor has it the governors don't really work too well. <laughs> Carts did go pretty fast. <laughs> You heard oh. a, a screech in the ba- and a bang, but it was probably on the road. <laughs> I, I swear this happened when we, when we uh, turned our cart in at the end. Uh, the guy looks at there was an older guy and a young guy at the cart return, and the older guy looks at the young and was like, "Yeah, this is one of the fast ones. Put it on the right." And it's like, <laughs> You're not wrong, but put it on the right. How, how, do you know that from personal experience because you were the driver or no? I was a passenger. I just, just felt the wind in my hair a couple times. Got it it, it was it. a pretty quick cart. I will say that par five sixteenth that we started on. With the really high elevated tee box and that pretty house out to the right, man, going down that hill with it's no seven. governor. If your cheeks ain't flapping back on, that's a good one. Right. And you know you can play it real safe. There's water on the right, but you can run it right into the fairway. Like you know, you don't have any any problems. Just to clarify, that is the seventh hole. In case anyone's been at Gaysburg for uh, a seventh seventh hole, yes, yes, um, yeah. That, that's honestly one of my favorite holes on that course. It's such a it's beautiful to look at. There's that house that Colin should have been mowing the lawn at, so we could have a party there. <laughs> Yeah. Someone was having a party there. Yeah, there was, you know, it was a, the vibes out there were phenomenal. And I think this was probably the biggest we've seen that tournament in the three it years. It was huge. We've been there. I think they had like 90 golfers or something like that. So. And for the score to be only 14, I mean, it was, it was playing a little challenging out there. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that uh, a dub and Colin couldn't be there. Really, really disappointing. I would like to get one closing comment from Tyler. So Tyler and I, with the festivities on Saturday, also had a pretty big Friday. Tyler, O's game was awesome. We got into a Vapco customer box. We were eating crab cakes. <laughs> And then we were coming in hot to the scramble. I mean, there's no way we weren't going to have a good weekend. It, it was a great start to the weekend. Yeah, got off work a little bit early. Ben and I head down, got a beer outside the stadium. We go in and we get into the center field bar. We had like an hour to kill before the, the scheduled game start. But then we're, we're kind of looking up and, and you see the wind shift a little bit and the clouds start rolling towards us. Like, 
we're going to have a rain delay. We should just belly up to this bar right now. There's some a nice little overhang, and let's just get comfortable. We're, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. Two minutes after we sit down, I get a call from the big boss man. He's like, hey, so remember how I said we had a ticket? I'm like, yeah. He's like, why didn't you come meet up with me? I was like, hey, I'm with my buddy. He's like, well, change of plans. Actually, I actually have two tickets. You guys want to come to the suite with us? I'm like, Yes. Yeah. I was like, it's out of the rain, right? He's like, yes. I was like, all right, great. So we go meet them by the gate, and we head up. Yeah, walk right in, platters of crab cakes, some pit beef, lots of desserts. Brot, the brats were great. Brats, a mini fridge full of some drinks for us. If I know anything, Tyler's dangerous around some brats. The fl- flying dog I, I, orange I, avo- I avoided the brats. I went straight to the crab cakes. But I, I <laughs> Money's think, worth. I think the, the best part of the evening was Ben got to meet a long-lost relative. Potentially. Unconfirmed. However, my dad's convinced. We met Tippy Martinez, famed pitcher for the Orioles back in the 70s, 80s? 60s to the 80s. 60s to the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad's convinced we're related because he's from like a very small town in Colorado where my grandfather's from. And so I just assume that all Martinez is in that like populace of 500 town are somehow related. And I, yeah, I walk up to him like, Tippy, I'm pretty sure we're related. He goes, oh, no kidding. And I, he, that like, guy could not have been less interested in <laughs> Ben's like, Get the hell out of here, Get a picture kid. with me. And my dad's texting me, ask him if he knows anyone from this, this city or this town in Colorado. I'm like, dad, he's gone. So <laughs> Played from 74 to 88. So 74 to 88. Definitely sounds like the cousin you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely related. I just didn't get a chance to confirm it. So we'll confirm it at a later date. Yeah, I really got to applaud the two of you because you did have that experience. And then I believe in the uh, the post-scramble experience that once we ended up downtown, you guys were the uh, the last last two out as well if i if i you know recall yeah, correctly that does sound right doesn't it was that us yeah. wow. Wow. it might have been which we, was what like two three a.m really hit like it that. out yeah. of the park this weekend it was we a, had a good 48 hours <laughs> and a really rough 24 hours the next day. Well, so you guys I, I, I would call it a restful 24 hours because <laughs> yeah, you couldn't wait we'll see you guys out we'll see you guys out at the bar sometime in august oh <laughs> uh, but that was, that was a good day i can't wait wait for next year's mark Strine. we'll be back yep we'll get two more groups in it for mark Strine next year Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Check out our new uh, reel we made at the Mark Strine, a fun one with some coheed in the background. Not safe for work. Didn't get any comments what? from Colin on that. Yeah, Colin hasn't even seen the reel yet. I but... saw the reel. I had to watch it on mute. I can't believe you guys took that from me. Oh, you should turn off the music this time. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll see you next time. <laughs>